to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with Matt Statler. And today it's just us two, unfortunately. Sorry, listeners. Uh, Mr. Robert Kale is um, his daughter is on spring break. And so he's doing a lot of family oriented things. He's also got a really cool opportunity he's involved in is uh, um, with a PTS cohort. That's kind of a, a test cohort with Solomon Soul Care, Curtis Solomon, the executive director of B- the Biblical Counseling Coalition. And so they're going to go. He's going through a course right now on post-traumatic stress, which is really exciting and in biblical counseling and appro- approaching it from that vein. So pretty awesome stuff. Well, Matt, um, we've tried this podcast already once and, uh, the interwebs failed us once again. It's an opportunity to do better. Yeah. Yeah, man. The Lord was like, nah, you can't say that. <laughs> he was like, wrong. <laughs> wrong. So I wanted to start today off maybe a little bit different um, by looking at history before we get into our subject matter for today. Mr. Statler, did you know on this day in history, in 1531, Henry VIII was officially recognized as the supreme head of the Church of England by the Convocation of Canterbury? Two things. First, as a Baptist, I don't recognize no king. And as an American, I don't recognize no king. Just rebels all the time. <laughs> Rebellion. Yeah, definitely <laughs> uh, definitely interesting that he decided to, to start a, a whole congregation, denomination, what you want to call it, all because he wanted to uh, divorce <laughs> and divorce remarry some, marry another lady. Hey, uh, I, you know, I'm not saying that's the right move. Uh, it definitely is not sinful, but <laughs> it's a lot of effort for a divorce, man. <laughs> that is a lot of effort. Oh, man. Well, when the Pope won't play with you, that's you got to right. do, yeah. do it your own way, I guess. Um, also... I don't know if you know this, Matt, but we missed the rapture. What? Yeah. Did you know on this day in history in 2014, the Malaysian Airlines flight MH370 mysteriously disappeared off the face of the earth with that 239 people. Crazy. You know, I remember watching that in the news. What a mm. what a fascinating topic of discussion i mean i think i think i heard bermuda triangle and all these other uh mythologies and and theories about disappearing peoples Mm -hmm. i don't know if anyone approached it from a rapture because that would disappoint so many uh that would be a lot of disappointed people (laughs) could you imagine preaching a sermon like all these people just ghost right like they're gone and you're like Uh, (laughs) well, got good news and bad news. Good news is I know what happened. Bad news is we're still here. (laughs) And now what do we do? Right. Well, um, we're going to continue on our podcast series on the church. Some assembly required, um, by today, kind of talking about membership, church membership, local church membership, rather. And so, again, we kind of like to start with a wide view of general membership into the capital C church, the universal church, and then uh, go get a tighter shot group from there. Matt, do you want to give us kind of uh, a a brief overview of what we talked about last week? 
Yeah, so last week we did a quick definition of the church. Uh, go back to that podcast and re-listen to it so you can actually um, track with us. But essentially, we talked about the church being all believers um, from all time. That's the general universal church. And then we talked about local manifestations of the church, local congregations as a representative as a local church. And we talked about why it's important. It's important because it's important for our faith, for our Christian walk. And we talked about Ephesians 4, 11 through 17. We went through some of the one another's. How can you do a one another thing if you're not part of the church? And so this week, we're really going to expand on that and talk a little bit about membership. Mm. And what does membership mean? You know, Neil, I was Googling membership in my Bible, and I did not see anything about membership. You Googled in your Bible. That's a... That's a that's new kind of I use the online one that changes uh, every week. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, there's not, uh, well, there's the word members, but yeah. <laughs> the word membership explicitly, like, uh, we were joking around earlier. Hey, where in the King James version does it say <laughs> thou, sh- thou, thou shalt, shalt <laughs> be a part of a local membership thine? I don't know. <laughs> thine local uh, church. Yeah. Thine local church. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, King Jimmy didn't say it, and and neither did <laughs> neither did the Lord. But it's something that we can kind of uh, definitely see in Scripture. Um, there's so many examples, and we talked a lot about it last week as well. Uh, assumed examples that we can draw upon of this uh, unity in a local context, and. Um, we see it in Paul's letters to various churches throughout the Rome, the region of Rome, right, where their uh, well, their land that they've conquered, right, in the various cities. We see it um, as he's calling uh, Timothy and Titus to equip elders for what uh, to pastor in a local context, right, and so um, there's there's. Pastors given the command to uh, shepherd the flock of God, right? To present them to Christ, um, to hold, to give an account, right? Um, and, and 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 much more. But you know, I was thinking specifically, where would I go? Um, probably, if someone said, "Where where does it say to be a part of a local church?" Right? As a member of a local church, I think it's it's it might be easy to look at first Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, which I'll read for a second in a second. But this is Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth. Now we know that each of these letters for the overall church, wherever they are, these letters are getting passed around throughout the region um, for other churches to read in their context as well. Uh, But we, we see Paul addressing a specific thing to this specific group of people. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, 
that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Um, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so whoa, whoa, that, whoa, time out, time out. Yeah, 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 hit it. Does that mean does that mean that I can't just go fishing and call that my church? <laughs> yeah, no, that's absolutely it's saying you have to be connected to the body, right? So where is the body of Christ? Um, is it this hypothetical uh, thing where we kind of generally know there are other Christians out there? Um, or is is there is there more to it? I think uh, the apostles um, would be encouraging us to be connected, to be of one mind and one spirit, like we see in Acts uh, chapter 2 uh, in the church of Jerusalem. Um that they are devoted to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread and fellowship, um, and and you know that's a local church. That's what a local church does. Um, so, Matt, what makes a member? So go big and then come in small. A member of what first, and then a member in the local context. Yeah, we definitely have to remember that. You don't join the church to be saved. Correct. Right. We um, we become Christians. We are saved. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved, repenting and um, turning to him. And so this means then we are now part of the church universal. We are part of the, the great body of Christ. But we are also committed or commanded to do certain things like... Um, to be baptized, to hear God's word and obey it, to regularly fellowship together for mutual um, edification. We are to love God and love another person. We're supposed to use our gifts, our hands and our feet or whatever aspect of the body that we are. We're supposed to use it in our church fellowship, which really means that there needs to be a local congregation, a local gathering of believers. And one of the problems we run into, I think, is, well, there's so many churches. There's so many, and that's what we're going to talk about later on. Um, so membership involves being baptized, being a believer, being baptized, and then joining a local church. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the membership covenant we have at at my church. Uh, the first kind of stanza, I guess, it says... It's not really a song, but it's very poetic. Um, but the the first segment says that having been brought by God's sovereign grace into salvation, into belief in the gospel with evidence of regeneration and baptized as a believer, you know, and so there's there's, you know, we're we're not of a kind of magisterial church persuasion we we believe in believers baptism um which is an outward expression of an inward change right 
It's a first act of obedience after we are saved is what we do. And yeah. so um, to be a part of a church, uh, to be a member in the church, you must first be saved. There has to be evidence of regeneration. And then in the church, we are baptized. And so this is kind of a symbolic act of, of you know, uh, citizenship into the kingdom of heaven or... Um, we like to communicate it a lot of times as this um, wedding uh, vow exchange, right? Like we're standing before the nations, the world and saying, man, Christ is my husband. He has saved me. I am dead in my sins within his death. And I have been raised out of the water to walk in newness of life as Christ was rose again from the dead, conquering sin and death. And so, man, that's, that's a... Uh, that's a ceremony, right? Of symbolism. And then in, at the Lord's table, which happens in the context of a local church, we do a um, vow renewal ceremony, right? You can say it that way. And so there's a lot of these different elements um, that we cannot partake in as individuals, you know? Right. Um, and, and nor did Christ save you to be an individual, but he saved you into a community of believers now to execute the Great Commission. So, Matt, what is the Great Commission? Is it the mission of the church? And if it's the mission of the church, and, and we're all called to do it as disciples, um, why is it important for us to lock arms with somebody to execute this mission? Yeah, one of the things I really want to emphasize is in many ways, being a member of a local church is like being a limb on a tree, totally. right? If you're removed from the tree, you're going to shrivel up and die. It's not healthy. So we're not trying to be legalists in the sense that you have to be part of a local church. Otherwise, you're you know, condemned and all the, all the things that, that people will say. And I hear the objections, right? Like, well, I don't have to be go to a church to be saved. I don't have to go to a church to be a Christian. You're right. You don't, but it's not healthy. It's not good for you. And yeah. so if you are connected to the body, and this is the other thing that Neil and I are, are very strongly um, convicted of, is that the, the bride of Christ, the church, is the vehicle for everything else, for God's mission on this planet. Um, and his, his desire for us to go into all the world and baptize, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So it's the church is the sending agency. The church is the local community uh, connection. It's, it's all these things. Evangelism, counseling, the preaching, teaching of the word is all supposed to a vessel of sanctification vessel of sanctification right it's it is the system that god has created the um the bride is is what is supposed to be used for this mission of the great commission so um that's why it's so necessary to be a member of that to be a body of it um i, I don't know how many people have talked to me and been you know community type people and they're yeah. like, man, I really wish that there was something that would help take care of widows. And I said, you're right. That's what the Read church is for. <laughs> All right. Act six. And they're like, oh, well, I wish someone would take care of homeless. And mm. I said, well, we have homeless ministries brought out from the church out of compassion yeah. for those who are suffering. Oh, thanks, said, James. That's, 
<laughs> yeah, thanks, James. Pastor so of what church? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So you know, we we have all these these mechanisms in place to 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 not only spread the gospel, which is the most important thing, yeah. but to also be engaging in our community in a meaningful yeah. way. Yeah. So um, spreading the kingdom of God across the earth, right? Um, both in the spiritual and in the physical, we're called to do both. Um, That's right. That's in fact, right. James would say that our faith with, apart from works is dead, is dead faith. And so, um, man, we get to engage in the mission of God um, together. We get to lock arms with with people, but we we unify around some things, right? So there's this there's this uh, popular mechanism today for you know, teaching potential members, you know, like people who are going to church, they've been attending, maybe even they've started to serve. Um, and you'll, you'll see on PowerPoint slides or in announcements like membership class or next steps meeting or, you know, whatever buzzword they want to use. Um, so what is a membership class? Um, and what, what is it normally, what is it normally constituted of? I would say, First and foremost, a good membership class includes clarity of the gospel. We want to make sure that we are unified in what we believe about salvation and about the things of God. The next thing that we would see is a statement of faith or a confession. Um, Matt, do you want to kind of tease out what a statement of faith is, what a confession is, and why is it so important for a church to have? And how does that impact membership? Right. So what is what is a confession? It, well, it's just a, a statement that you as, as a group of believers have sat down and examined some of the key tenets of the gospel, of the faith, and really written it down saying these are the things that we believe. And, and confessions have gone back for centuries and centuries and, and have been a way for people to show the unity with the earlier believers. So when Baptists were being maligned by Presbyterians, they came out with a confession of faith to try to show, listen, we believe these key essential things that you would believe we just differ on this one thing, which is baptism and how that works. And so their goal was to say, listen, we're not unorthodox. We're not outside the faith. And that confession then also kind of works as a, as bumper rails, yeah. right? And in many ways, if, if you take that confession, it, it's a guide and a framework for protecting you from going into great theological error. Um, and it's not infallible, right? There's things totally. in some of the the best confessions that I love that I would not 100% agree with. So, for example, in the 1689, which is probably my most preferred confession, it says that the Pope is the Antichrist, right? I don't really believe the Pope is the Antichrist. I believe he may be a Antichrist or an Antichrist, but that doesn't mean he is the Antichrist. And so... There's certain things, certain words that maybe were really predominant. So for us at our church, we have a statement about homosexuality and gender roles. Hmm. That's not in a lot of the older confessions because that wasn't really an a priority, an issue. And so when you when you see a church and it says these are our statement, uh, this is our statement of faith, this is what we believe, that is really to lay out the essentials 
and what we can be gathered around. And this is important because if our church has a statement of faith or some kind of constitution, covenant, bylaws that a Mormon or a Muslim would feel comfortable joining, there's a problem, or even a Jew, totally. right? Totally. There, there is a problem with our, our statement because we are we need to be you know Christocentric. We need to be um, talking about the atonement. We need to talk about uh, the sinfulness of man. And so when you when you come to a membership class at, at our church or at Neil's church, even you're going to get a very clear presentation of the gospel. What is the gospel? Because we want you to know. Um, if you're not a believer, this is a great opportunity to learn what it is. And then what do we hold as key elements for um, for membership? And I recently did a thing about uh, theological triage. Mm-hmm. And we talked about first order issues, second order issues, third order issues. And first order issues are things surrounding the gospel. Second order issues are things surrounding uh, how you do church. Right. So a Presbyterian and a Baptist really can't do church together because we have some different views on the ordinances. That doesn't mean we're not brothers and sisters in Christ, but it does mean we do church different. And so we probably should not fellowship in a local church. And that's that's part of the process. And we seek to be as faithful to the word of God as possible. And so that's why our statement of faith is the way it is. That's why we have organized our church that way. That's why we have elder leadership, because we believe that's the most perfect example of what we see in the scriptures. And so that's why it's important to have constitutions, covenants, and so people know what we believe. I mean, Neil, you and I both come from a seminary that could have easily gone off the rails because people were abandoning the articles of, of faith that they were, they were told to, to sign. And then when they started enforcing it, it cleaned up a lot of the mess and the, uh, the liberalism that had that seeped in and, um, it could have been pretty nasty. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think, I think maybe to boil down what you just said, Matt, into, uh, maybe like a, a, a summary statement. Um, would be um, confessions are necessary because they unite us about how we interpret scripture. That's uh, a good way to say it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, why well, I, I don't get down with doctrines of man, you know, or right. uh, I, I believe the Bible. That's enough. You know, um, the, the issue is um, so many others would say the same thing, but may put a female as a pastor up at the pulpit. Man, you know? I just had a I had a, a real recent example of that. I got mm-hmm. an email from a Jehovah's Witness, and we went back and forth in our emails a little bit. And finally, she said, "Well, we're just going to agree to disagree because I've been teaching the Bible for mm-hmm. sixty years." And and I and I, I just what can you say to that? Yeah. Right? You, you can't argue. Well, you know you're wrong. You can argue that, but under what authority? Right. Absolutely. And totally. So uh, a good church has membership classes that include, you know, they, they have a statement of faith that's clear. Um, I would also um, urge the listener to, um, this might seem extreme, but I'm just going to say it, abandon any church that does not affirm the inerrancy and sufficiency of scripture. Run. Um, because at that point, the authority you are sent sitting under is not the authority of scripture. It's not the authority of God. 
Um, it is of man's opinion and spiritual ideals instead of, you know, what God is explicitly saying in his word. You know, I think what's funny is, uh, and this is an aspect of why church membership is important. Um, you know, we, God has gifted each member of the body spiritually with different gifts, right? Maybe gifts of mercy, gifts of teaching, gifts of, you know, past pastoring and preaching, you know, and, and so many others. There's evangelism and there's, you know, you name it. Uh, there's a lot. We can go through uh, several texts. But in Ephesians 4, we have these past, these uh, church leadership type gifts that have a specific purpose. And that purpose is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so when we are a viable member of a local congregation, we are coming to be equipped by a pastor who has been given gifts to specifically equip you to do what? To go out and execute the gospel among the nations, right? To go and proclaim it and to walk it out in, in works. And so we're, you're not equipped for that work unless you're in the church, <laughs> a part of the church being shepherded, you know, that which is a term, right? So if there's a shepherd, then there is a flock. How do you know what flock it is, right? <laughs> like there's all of these different, uh, the Bible uses different language, uh, language to communicate this, this idea. Neil, I'm a, I'm a professional football player. Okay. Uh, I don't. Did understand. you know that? Did I tell you that? You didn't. I don't have a team. I'm not on any team. I haven't signed oh, yeah. any team, but <laughs> I play football professionally. Generally, right. That's what right? people are saying, right? When you're totally. when you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, but I'm not part of a church. Yeah. Or I'm a like, believer in Jesus, but I don't believe in the Bible. Right. I, I've heard yeah. that before as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that totally misses what the Bible is teaching us, right? And so um, a good church is going to have a good pastor that's sitting under the authority of Scripture, which is what gives them the authority to equip you, as the Bible calls it. So what team are you a part of, right? Uh, to, to get back to your uh, football team analogy, right? right? Uh, or I prefer, as I prefer, basketball team analogy. Yeah, but, there you go. But whatever. Um, so, so you're interested in church membership, right? You've been attending service weekly. Um, we both would affirm that you should not neglect assembling together. That's what Hebrews 10, uh, I believe 25 tells us <laughs> to not do. And uh, so you've been attending weekly. You've you've seen this as prime, you know, like the supreme thing you do in the rhythms of your life. Um, you know the you're starting to know the the pastor and the church itself, and you're like, man, I could I could be involved here. Now I've gone to these membership classes. So how do and 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 then the membership have voted me in officially to become a member. Well, how do I now become a productive member in this context? Matt, you what know, do you think? What, I've, what I find interesting, so I, I've been watching this movie or this TV show called from uh, called Poldark, and it's it's old English guy and stuff, but they go when they when they make a like a new business or whatever, they all sign a document together. Mm. 
right? Saying we are going to go on this journey together, whatever the, the cost. Yeah. And so it's a commitment and we have a, a commitment phobic culture, right? We do not like to make large long-term commitments, but that's what this is. When you say, I, I'm going to be a member of this church. When you say I am committing to walk with these people, you're committing to prayer. You're committing to praying for your pastor. You're committing to attend the assembly. You're, you're committing to search your heart, to edify, and you're committing to serve, right? You are to use your gifting and, and we don't have to go crazy and do the, the thousand spiritual gift inventory and, and answer yeah. all these questions, but you could generally understand, Hey, I really like helping people find parking spots on Sunday morning. Or you could say, man, I really have a heart for children and I want to find some way to serve. And then you, you, you find a way to be humble and come and serve, right? And and we we imitate Christ in that we're not coming in there looking for, I want to be the head of this church. I want to be the top dog. I want to be a leader. You come in and serve. And as you are serving and you are, you're humbly showing that you're willing to submit to the body, there may be opportunities for you to, to rise up in the, in leadership. Um, God may call you to, to further um, ministry. And you may be a wonderful teacher, but you may be immature spiritually and as, as a Christian. So allow others to speak into your life and say, you know what? I see some talent in you for teaching. I see talent in you for, um, you know, ministering to people's needs. Maybe you should consider some further training. And, 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 and that's what we do at our church is we look for and identify future elders because everyone should be aspiring to be an elder. And we will then, if you're a man, and, 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 well, we should all aspire to fulfill the character quality, yeah, the character qualities of an elder, but, um, but men, yeah, men are, are qualified elders or are the ones that can be qualified as elders. But when we, when we look at that, what we're doing is we are now affirming them in their calling. And then you may say, man, I really feel called to pastoral ministry. And you already have a congregation that affirms that. Instead of what we see a lot of times is some guy gets saved at a at a rally and then says, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to be a pastor. And then he runs off to seminary, gets all this training, spends all this money, gets into all this debt. And then he tries to find a church and all these churches are saying, no, there's there's no one that's affirming your gifting. You're not gifted in this area. Right. How how horrific is that? So, yeah, allow the church to be the church and yeah. to um to find ways to participate, ways to serve. Um, you know, what I love is people who are hungry, not only to hear the word and, and hear the word preached, but to actually then do things from the word. And, and I've had a couple of people come by my office recently saying, I want to help in this aspect. I see that the kids need some extra helpers. I see this, I see that. And I'm like, you know what? Let's get you signed up and get you in there because it's so desperately needed. And this is a place for you to have an impact. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. and that's powerful. I would add also, um, that you are, uh, to be a productive member of the body means that you are in, uh, walking in a, some sort of discipleship, you're going to be discipled. And so that might be Sunday school classes, small groups, whatever, but you're going to be a part of it because, Hey, guess what? Um, as a member, you're called to know the other members and they're called to know you. 
And if you just come to church and sit in the back and then ghost out of there, man, you have, um, you're going to stay on that spiritual milk, you know, and, and this is a big, this is a rabbit trail. So sorry, but I've heard a lot of guys say, well, I listen to a lot of really great pastors online. I read a lot of books. Let me tell you something. You can be, uh, intellectually savvy and fit and know a bunch of theology, but that does not make you spiritually mature when adversity comes. What makes you or helps you in your maturity is by being a part of the body of Christ in a local context where people can look you in the eye and say, we're going to get through this. We are called, the church is called to bear one another's burdens and to tend to one another and simp and, 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 um, and care for one another um, tenderly. And so we believe members care for members um, and that they grow um, in the context of community. You will not, let me just say this, you will not grow and be sanctified as you should be if you're thinking of like an upward trend, right? If you're not connected, if you're on your own. I want to, let's go ahead and land the plane with this passage from Philippians. So I just preached on this passage um, or part of most of this passage, but it says, and I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. That type of knowledge is experiential knowledge. You do not know how to love until you actually have to love someone physically with some kind of way, right? You don't actually gain discernment until you actually have experiential knowledge on these kind of things. And so people can say all they can fill their mind with theology. They can, you can fill your mind with all these things, but you don't actually learn it. You don't actually know how to use it until you're put to the test. You don't, you don't know how to love someone until you actually get married and start realizing, man, I'm a selfish human being and, and learn how to actually submit and, and cry to your wife and say, I'm sorry that I hurt you in these ways. Yeah. Um, and that's where you learn these, these things about humility, man. So Neil next week, man, we got to figure out how do we find a good church? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, where we, we must go next. So <laughs> we've talked about what the church is, what the benefits of going to one are. Now we've talked about being a member in one and why we should be a member. Um, if we're on the fence about that or, or whatever, um, the only logical place to go next is how do I, how, what am I looking for? Um, I grew, I'm in the South. There's a church on every corner, <laughs> like where right. do, how, which one do I choose? And so we're going to, we're going to do a, a, a podcast on that. What, what to look for? What, what is, what are what marks are we looking for to gauge whether or not that church is healthy even and so how can we identify a good church yeah so we're going to do that guys uh, we appreciate you listening in um we'll, we'll uh, get robert back on at asap i know we're lacking without that guy and we miss him uh big time but if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast and give us a honest five-star review and smash the like button and all those other cool subscribe things. Um, Guys, until next time, Gospel Lifeline Podcast.